the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us. 10 o'clock, thanks again for being with us. Thanks also to Steve Moore, my guest in the first hour of the program, a former Trump economic advisor. We'll get back to that conversation in a moment. Coming up in uh, the second half of this hour, at about nine, uh, 10.35, rather, we will talk to Jake Novak, who's going to talk to us about uh, what, faith, what role faith plays and... Um, what role the American media plays with respect to faith as we confront the coronavirus. And I go back now to, of course, what happened with uh, the president's daily briefing on Monday. And he had uh, Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, actually speak. And he said a little bit of a prayer and a thanks to God, uh, you know, with biblical worship. Uh, you know, for, uh, you know, the good Lord blessing us with a leader like President Trump, and it just drove the left crazy. Jake Novak's got a thought on that, and that'll be coming up at about 1035. But I want to stick with hard numbers now, and I want to talk about what those numbers mean. In ter- and there's two sets of numbers that we have to talk about. Number one is the projected number of dead Americans from the COVID-19 Wuhan coronavirus. The projections are anywhere from let's do it very well, do it almost perfectly in terms of our social distancing over the course of the next month and only kill one to 200,000 people with this virus or do it haphazardly or, or, or ham handedly. You could pick your, pick your word there. <clears throat> do it um, incorrectly and put as many as a million to two and a half million people at risk of dying. Now, these are the numbers given not by me, not by Amy Acton. This came from the president and the president's White House uh, Coronavirus Response Task Force, led, led by Vice President Pence, yesterday. Those are numbers we have to take seriously, as are the numbers given us by Steve Moore, as are the numbers given us by Bloomberg News, Fox News, USA Today. Those are just three uh, examples of economic projections 
of a 23 to 35% unemployment rate in the United States. That's what the projection is. A third of the country could be unemployed. Just a couple of months after the lowest unemployment rate since, well, in the last 50 years. Ponder that. The, the threat to the economy here is so dire, if we keep everybody locked in, that a third of the country could be unemployed, small businesses are going to go under, the strain on the, the uh, government uh, social assistance programs is going to be extraordinary. It's hard to even fathom. So if you're President Trump, you're sitting here telling, you're listening to doctors put together on a team that you oversee, and actually Mike Pence oversees, but President Trump is always the face of it whenever he gives his daily coronavirus briefings. So you got these doctors telling you it could be millions dead. You want to have that happen on your watch? But you've got economists telling you the obvious, something he already knows, because President Trump is a businessman, and he guided us to this greatest uh, uh, you know, uh, economy that we have had virtually in, in American history. He knows this. The damage that's being done to the economy could be irreversible. What do you do? And as I said before, and I want to hit this a little bit now, before I go back to your calls, the question is, is how much faith you put in the models, how much faith you put in the doctors and the scientists who are telling you that you know millions could die in the United States alone. There's an article written by Patrick Wood, who's the author of Technocracy Now!, and uh, he runs Technocracy News, uh, that I that I find fascinating. I'm going to have to have him on, perhaps as as early as tomorrow, maybe Friday. But he wrote an article about the common roots of climate change and COVID nineteen hysteria. People want to know just how bad is this virus, and is fighting it worth the destruction of the world economy and the financial system while disrupting the lives of hundreds of millions of people? The story behind the story makes it clear things are seldom as they seem, he writes. In short, when seen through the lens of sustainable development or technocracy, the whole world has just been punked and then panicked into self-destruction over COVID-19. And the culprit? A world-class technocrat in Britain, he writes. Dr. Neil Ferguson is a professor at the Imperial College in London that bills itself as a global university. It's thoroughly steeped in sustainable development and more dedicated to social causes than academic achievement. In fact, Imperial is very well known for its alarmist research reports on climate change, carbon reduction, environmental degradation, loss of biodiversity, etc. The problem with the global warming meme is that it's a tired, worn-out racehorse that much of the world simply ignores. Global warming alarmists have have tried every trick in the book to stampede the world into sustainable development. They have knowingly falsified climate data. They have flooded the world with inaccurate academic reports, held world meetings like the Paris Accord in France, threatened and bullied their critics, created a global youth movement to shame leaders into action, etc. All of these strategies have failed to usher in the UN's sustainable development and show little promise for success in the future. What the sustainable development crowd needed was to put their non-performing racehorse, global warming, out to pasture and find a new horse that could finally run and win the race to what the UN calls deep transformation of the entire global economic system. That new horse, according to Patrick Wood, 
and Technocracy Now, Technocracy News, is named COVID-19. So the models, he writes in a much more extended article that I cannot read it's in, to you in its entirety, but he writes <clears throat> of the models used for climate change, which of course have all been proven to be wrong, um, being the same sort of models, not identical, of course, because we're talking about different things, but the same sort of models that are being used to project the worst-case scenario when it comes to the Wuhan Chinese coronavirus. So what do you do? What do you do if you're advising the president? That's what I asked Steve Moore. What would you say to the president? And he basically said, well, we, we, if we go any further than April 30th, we may not have anything left. So he's saying he's going to tell the president, keep doing what you're doing for a month. But after that, we got to end this thing and get people back to work. If that is the answer, let me, re, well, let me ask you, is that the answer? I'll do it that way. Is that the answer? Is April 30th satisfactory for you to say, Let, we'll keep doing what they want us to do for 30 days, 30 more days, but come May 1st, we've got to get people back to work. Not all at once, but incrementally, particularly in the places that have already passed their quote-unquote peak infection times. Do we need to get people back to work by then? Will that be enough for you to try to balance everything? 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We're going first to Houston, Texas. That's right. I've got Will in Houston, who is, a, who is a, a Twitter and Facebook friend, listening online in Houston. Hey, Will, how are you, sir? Hey, my friend. How you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. What do you think? Well, man, you know, I, I, you know I'm, 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 I'm a faithful person, you know, and as, as I know you are. And, you know, I, in, in this time, man, you know, I, it's, it's kind of strengthening my, my faith. Um, you know, but as we know, you know, this, this, this media boy, it, it makes you want to want to pull your hair out sometimes. <laughs> you know? Right about and, that. And <laughs> but look, I, I just had a couple of questions. I just want to run by you, just some, something to ponder on. So, you know, we're hearing now, and I don't know if you heard about this, that the CDC is considering telling everybody, well, you know, to start using the, these masks for like public use, uh, Daily use, yeah, yeah, yeah. To wear them out into public whenever you do have to go into public, they they're changing their, uh, or at least are on the verge of announcing a change in policy. So my question is, why the hell? <laughs> Excuse me, but why why is this all of a sudden now uh, a thing? Why why what changed that that we shouldn't have been doing this uh, two two three weeks ago? Maybe you know you, you see what I'm saying? Why 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 now are you saying okay? Well, now it, it may be beneficial. Why wasn't it beneficial two or three weeks ago? Well, it actually should have been about a month ago. In fact, it was over a month ago that I saw saw my first shopper in a local Walmart near where I live wearing a mask, and I thought, wow, really? What? I mean, this is like over a month ago somebody was doing that. Now, who knows? Maybe there was a different reason for that. But uh, but, uh, the government said very directly that will not protect you if you you don't don't have the disease. That's not going to protect you. The only people who should wear those are people who do have the virus so that they don't you know, spread it to other people. Absolutely. And, and, and I had the same reaction when I saw somebody wearing I'm like, why, why are you having that on now? And this about a month or so ago. But, but now I'm thinking, well, shoot, they should have told us, like you said, they should, you know, if, if, it's, if you're going to tell us this now that, is, that, is, um, that you're going to recommend it, well, why didn't you recommend this a month ago? Yeah. Think about you know, how, how much, you know, if, if it is effective, you, y'all should have told us this a month ago. You know, that, that was, it, it just kind of kind of burned me up when I saw this, man. You know, and I said, well, this, maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it, you know, but, but seriously. 
<laughs> you know, this, well, this did, did, did the virus change between then and now? Exactly. I mean, that, that's what I don't understand. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so then my, my second question, you know, like I said, just, just something to ponder on. So, you know, we see the, the, the dire numbers, you know, the, the 100,000, 200,000. I, I was just wondering, and I know you, you may not know, but maybe you can just pose this question to somebody. Uh-huh. Does those, do those numbers include the possibility of the possible effectiveness of the hydrochloroquine and the ZPAC com, um, combinations, or, or do, do those numbers not even include that? Because, you know, if, if, if this is as, as potentially um, effective as we're hearing, uh, would those numbers necessarily be that high? That's if, a if very that's a very good question. That's a very good question because the FDA, as you know, just this week did indeed approve that for use as a treatment of uh, coronavirus. Uh, you know, Absolutely. combined either either just the hydroxychloroquine and um, ZPAC or added zinc into that as well. Some of the doctors who have done trials added zinc and have gotten great results with that as well. So great that's a great point. If that is helping people, you know, see, here's the thing: uh, they're they're not going to tout it as a cure. Well, that's the thing; they're not going to say this is the cure to that. But what they are saying is people who get sick are being sick for much, much, much shorter periods of time because of this. So would right. hydroxychloroquine and ZPAC as a, uh, a cocktail drug, if you will, would that stop somebody who is, who is critically ill with coronavirus and would die? Would it stop them from dying? I don't right. think they're going to go there yet. And I think so I, the, the answer, I mean, I may be giving an answer I'm not qualified to give, but since you asked, I think they're probably going to say, look, that drug is helping people who get sick but aren't going to die from it to be sick less right. uh, for a shorter right. period of time, but it's not going to stop somebody from dying because then it would be called a cure for coronavirus and they can't call it that. And they don't want to do that. And they, right. they don't want to do that. And, and, and I think at the same time, you know, you always want to prepare for the worst. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And so... Maybe, maybe, maybe I probably answer my own question. Maybe that's that's why they may not, you know, include that that um, in, in in those right. in those numbers. And, that, and that's what President Trump has been doing since the beginning of all of this. He has been hoping for right. the best, being op- being being optimistic and being you know aspirational rather than being doom and gloom. Uh, even though we have to prepare for the doom and gloom, and that's exactly what right. he's, he's he's doing here. And I think that's why he's listening to the doctors now, saying, "I hope this is going to be over sooner rather than later. I hoped it would be by Easter. Okay, it's not. I'm going to hope for you know one more month of this being an end to this. I think the president is striking the right chord. In my opinion, he is. But I think a lot of other people are not. I think a lot of people, uh, other people are hysterical and saying this is going to have to last months and months. What did my guest from Virginia right. say? You know, they, they're, they're shut down until the second week of June, not just through <laughs> April, but they're doing their shelter in place until the second week of June. That that would be devastating if that happened across this country. But if you can, if you can, man, just just uh, maybe if you can, maybe just pose that question to somebody. Why 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 the sudden change to the CDC's recommendation about the mask and you know, yeah. if, if 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 it's effective now, if you're telling us we can do it now, if you think if you're even thinking about recommending it now, why didn't you think about recommending it a month ago? Right. Just, just and maybe the answer is because they knew. Maybe the answer is they feared people hoarding them. There would be a huge rush on those, and and they would be gone, and nobody would be able to get them for medical you know use in the in the medical facilities because everybody grabbed them like they did toilet paper when they thought we wouldn't be able to get that. Maybe that's why. Yeah, but. I, I don't well, know. I'm just trying to speculate here. But um, hey, Will, I got a jet, man. Thanks for the call. I appreciate okay, it. It's ten. It's ten twenty-three. We'll come back with more calls right after this. Yeah. 
1027, we continue. Let's get a few more phone calls in here before the bottom of the hour, and we're going to go to Robert, who is in Cleveland Heights on AM 1420, The Answer. Robert, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, I'm calling to uh, to uh, resolve the, discrepan- the apparent discrepancy between Fauci's statements on the, on TV and his editorial in, in the New England oh, Journal in, in, of Medicine. Right, right, right. Yeah. What do you got? So I'm going to quote you the... Um, at the end of the New England Journal editorial, on page 1269, there's a statement that says, quote, This editorial was published on February 28, 2020, at newenglandjournalofmedicine.org. And I'm sure it wasn't written the night before that either. So there's a big gap between when he wrote that article and, and the uh, rapidly moving viral uh, epidemic that's going now. It's, you know, over a month. I wonder why they ran it. Yeah, I wonder why they ran it on their website on March 27th. Because that's when it was, you know, I'm I'm looking, again, I'm staring at it right now. Uh, On March 27th is when they ran this thing. I'm sorry, March 26th, beg pardon. Right there on the the journal of it. Yeah, I I wonder why they waited a month to to run something that is, boy, because you're right. Robert, um, as fast and as rapidly as things are changing with respect to the infectious spread, infection spread, and so on, uh, it, I mean, literally hours, you know, can be, can be a huge, you know, game changer here. They waited a month to run an article about how how serious that the, one of the leading infectious experts, uh, disease experts in the world, uh, thinks this thing is going to end up. That's crazy. Well, the New England Journal articles are always way behind the, when they write them. They have a received date, and then they edit, then they have a review, and then they editorialize it, and so on. No, but I'm not. I'm not even uh, talking about from the time he wrote it till the time they ran it uh, in in the actual journal. I'm talking about till the time they put it on their website. If he wrote that, oh, if he, I agree. Yeah, if they're saying that it ran in the actual New England Journal of Medicine in February on February 28th. Why wouldn't it at least have hit their website at the same time? Instead, they didn't publish it online at nejm.org until March 26, making it appear as though that it's new information. That that is you know right. the current the current yeah that I'm I'm glad you called Robert. Thank you for that information. That is really really yeah. um, deceptive, I think, and uh, and and misleading, and that can really change uh, the discussion here as far as how much they know and when they know it. All right, it's uh, 10.30. Uh, you know what? i got a bit of a problem here, and I'm going to need assistance resolving this before the news. Marcy uh, Marcy is our, our producer. Andrew, can you put Marcy on the mic, please? we got to fix this. Um, Marcy Marcy Peebles is our is our producer, and I've got a guest issue here. Marcy, are you there? Uh, Marcy, we got a problem here, and I think only you can fix it here, so... Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, happy Dear birthday, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Somebody's happy having birthday a birthday. To you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Marcy, we're not gonna we're not gonna make you tell how many, but we want you to know that we think we're thinking about you on this special day, even though we're all in our own little corners of the world because of the separation issues. Uh, but we're all thinking about you, and we all celebrate your birthday with you. Happy birthday, Marcy Peebles. 1031 News Now. Jake Novak next.
1036, we continue now on AM 1420, The Answer. So, right now it's all about the science, right? It's all about the science, as it should be. What does medical science tell us? What does historical data tell us? What does uh, the uh, particular elements of this virus tell us is going to be the spread rate, the infection rate, the serious infection rate, and the death rate? And then there's the science of the economy. Economic science is a thing. And trying to determine how long a country can go, an economy can go, with, you know, 75, 80% of its businesses shuttered and its employees not working, only quote-unquote essential businesses allowed to operate, how long that economy can sustain itself, how long it would take to come back if it is able to at all. That is science. So it is all about the science. But a couple of days ago, Mike Lindell, the CEO and the inventor of MyPillow, who is a sponsor of this show and of this network and this station, and I do the endorsements for Mike uh, Lindell and uh, MyPillow here, and I'm proud to do so because it's a great American-made product, and it really is everything that I tell you it is. Um, But Mike Lindell brought faith into the world of science and dared to quote scripture during a COVID-19 press briefing from the president. He dared also to thank God for bringing us President Trump for his leadership during this time. And the media lost its collective minds. Uh, they really did. Uh, the left went into overdrive on social media to criticize both Mike Lindell, Donald Trump, saying things that can't be said on the air. Is there a role for faith? Is there room for faith, if you will, uh, in this discussion? Uh, and joining us now to talk about that is Jake Novak. Jake Novak is a CNBC freelance editorial columnist. He's uh, uh, executive producer, or was the executive producer, rather, of the Kudlow Report, now the host of Novak Now. Uh, Jake, good to have you on the program. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm okay. No symptoms. I'm fine. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are, are you based in New York? Yes, I am. Uh, on okay. Long Island, though, where obviously it's not as, as bad as, as New York City. That is that is good. So good for you. And, uh, of course, we'll continue to uh, to uh, offer our prayers for yours and everyone there's good health, because that is, of course, uh, in the city, that is the epicenter of this entire thing. More than half of the number of cases now in this country are in New York, which, of course, is, is uh, an astounding thing to think about. But let's go back to the issue of faith here, um, because you have described um, this situation with uh, Mike Lindell um, as the Kane effect. And I want you to explain what that means. Well, first off, Bob, it, it's, it's actually worse than you just described. You're right. The news media and leftists went crazy about Mike Lindell praying and thanking God uh, and, 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 and doing some Christian prayer. But they were getting on him even before he did that. Remember, there were people in the news media who, even before Lind- Lindell started to speak, were saying, oh, my God, President Trump's going to hand the mic over now to the My Pillow guy. I mean, without even giving, because they were you know, uh, angry that he, you know, I guess that he wasn't a major industry leader or something like that. But, yes, then, then he started to pray, and that made it even worse for them in their minds. And I call this the Cain effect because... You know, we're taught from Sunday school on, you know, or in my case, from yeshiva on, that Cain was jealous, right? He was jealous of Abel. That's why he kills him. And I've always really rejected that teaching, and I've done a lot more research into this, and you know, from people who are very well versed in this, and also just from the from the context. Cain isn't really jealous. He doesn't want to be Abel. He doesn't want God's grace. He doesn't want to give sacrifices. He's resentful of him, and I think that's what we saw two days ago with the My Pillow incident. I think we saw a news media that saw somebody like Mike Lindell, even before he started praying, 
do, actually doing something to help the situation, doing more than panic-mongering or telling people a death toll. I think deep down, listen, I, I've been working in the news media for 26 years. Deep down, there are many days when I come to work or I think about it, and I think, gee, am I really doing something enough, which is why when I write my columns, I really try to focus on solutions and things that we can be doing, as opposed to just telling people a number that anyone can find out. So they see a guy like Mike Lindell who's doing something, rejiggering his factory to produce 50,000 masks or something like that. I think, I, I don't know, I forgot whether that was per day or how, how, how often. The goal, the, goal, the goal is 50,000 a day by Friday. So they were Amazing. in the process of ramping that up, I think 10,000 a day as of the moment that he spoke. Uh, but he said the goal is 50,000 a day by Friday. Now that's amazing. Now listen, if you're jealous when you hear that, I think that's actually healthy. When, when someone is succeeding and making a sacrifice and doing something well and you're jealous of that person, there's a very good chance that that will spur you to try to do something similar. But that's not what we're seeing. That's not what we saw you know, with Cain. You know, and the Bible is such a great judger and, and, and describe, describes human nature so well. But there are a lot of people who will just resent that. And they'll say, well, maybe he's doing something good, but he only got up on that podium because he gave money to Trump. Or he's just as a Trump supporter, and, and we really want to hear from the Googles and the GMs and the Fords of the world. I mean, that's resentment, and, and that's not going to lead you to do anything. That's going to lead you to think, oh, it's all about luck and cronyism that you can't get. And to me, I see this all over the place. I see it a lot with the military and other places, but we really had a stark example. And, you know, Bob, I'm, I'm working on a book about what I call the Cain and Abel in America. I'm working on that now. And now I have a great preface. All I need to do is describe what happened two days ago, this, this event that I think a lot of people will remember, to explain what I'm trying to talk about and how dangerous this is. It's been dangerous since the beginning of time. The Bible's always understood this, this dangerous human nature. It's okay to be jealous and to be inspired and to try to match somebody, but when you're resentful and all you do is trash someone who's achieved something or sacrificed, that's really dangerous. Is that new, Jake, in, in your observations, <laughs> this, uh, this effect? No. Uh, I think, like I said, I think, I think it's had many different manifestations. I think it's growing. I think it's growing in America for a number of reasons, not the least of which that we have become, in even, you know, it's, listen, we've always had heroes and a celebrity culture in this country. I mean, ask people who remember Babe Ruth. I mean, it's not like we just discovered celebrities and things like that, but there's a lot more celebrity worship in this country than there used to be. So I think that there's, I think that we've really stopped teaching our kids about respecting someone who just sacrifices and just goes out and does a job and, and, and supports his family or her family. We don't do enough of that. And because of that, I think we've, we've forgotten the people who, who, who do it. So I think my best example, Bob, of something that's been true ever since the Vietnam War, is there is a tremendous cane effect with our, with our troops. Uh, most people will not admit that there are plenty of us who go around and walk around and, and, and resent the troops, because, especially for men. I notice this in men. There are a lot of men who never served, and that's fine. You know, we don't have a draft in this country. I'm not saying they have to serve. But they don't. They, they somehow feel this is a threat to them, or it somehow belittles them subconsciously, or sometimes even consciously, and so they trash the troops. They don't necessarily do it publicly. They won't do it in print. But there was one guy who did. I don't know if your, your, your listeners might remember this very famous editorial in the L.A. Times by a guy named Joel Stein in 2006, who I really disagree with everything he said, but at least he had the guts to say it. He wrote a long editorial about how he doesn't support the troops. Remember during the Iraq and Afghanistan wars where right. everyone said, well, I don't support those, you know, the left said, I don't support those wars, but I support the troops. And he was the only one who had the guts to tell the truth about how he resented the soldiers, thought they were dumb, thought they were being dupes, thought they, some of them were, were, were sadistic. And, I, and if you watch any Hollywood movie depicting any veteran or any soldier right now, what percentage puts them in a good light? I'd say less than 5%. 
So I think this has been very pervasive in our society for a long time. That is a really interesting analogy uh, in a comparison to the troops. Back to this particular issue, though, with Mike Lindell. <clears throat> How much of it do you think was criticism of the cronyism, the uh, the uh, you know the uh, their, their their perceived cronyism? Because, like you said, I'm, and by the way, it should point out we should point out Mike Lindell's company is is big. It's very big. It does tremendous uh, work, but it's not C, it's not GM, and and right. it's not you know it's not the airline industries. It's not some of the President Trump has talked to all of those CEOs and asked them, of course, to help manufacture things that could help in the process and so on and so forth but don't you think jack or jake excuse me i know somebody named jack novak so i knew that was inevitable (laughs) that was inevitable to do that to you jake don't you think that what made him worth bringing up to the podium is the fact that he's not the ceo of general motors or ford this this is this is a kind of a, a more um this is what everybody can do. This is what anybody can do. You know, the, the, my pillow company is a smaller company in terms of, you know, the, the big picture, if you will. And the fact that this guy who's just making pillows and bed sheets up in Minnesota has converted his plans to do this is something that we should show America to say, look, it's not just the giant industry leaders are going to pave the way here. We all have to do what we can where we can. Well, you just took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, first of all, Remember that the only real hiring in this country, net gain hiring in this country, comes from small to mid-sized businesses. Major corporations, yeah, you might read, you might be reading about Amazon and Walmart that are doing big-time hiring now, but during your, your regular economic cycle, major corporations are usually basically neutral. They, they're just, they, they, they add zero net jobs to the economy. It's always the smaller and mid-sized businesses that add jobs. So that's one thing. Um, you are absolutely right. And this also, this really, again, accentuates my point. The kind of person who is resentful and wants to push negativity on anybody is going to look at any positive development and always say, well, yeah, you know, Mike Lindell is doing this good thing, but we really need GM and Ford to do it. This isn't enough. As opposed to saying, gee, great, this is great. You know, mo- most people in this country are actually employed by smaller to mid-sized businesses. If more people do this, we might actually save our economy here and also save the country from this deadly virus. How about that? You don't have to be Pollyanna, Bob. And I, and I know you're not being that way. Right. But you don't have to be a Pollyanna, but you have to say, when you see something positive like this, you have to give it a check mark. But there's another thing going on here, which is the news media and the opponents of President Trump have made it clear from day one that they will take, they will attack viciously anyone associated with him, and I'm not just talking about people in his administration, people who donate to him, people who support him, they will be viciously attacked, which, by the way, is a tremendous mistake on their part. You know, you can win a lot of elections in this country by bashing the other side's politicians and leaders. That's fair game since day one. What is really new, in my, from what I've seen, and I've been studying this history for a long time, starting with the deplorables comment and things like that, what we're seeing now is very open, again, it used to be in private, but very open attacking of the voters, of the other guy's voters, of the other candidate's voters, in this case President Trump and his supporters. That used to be a tremendous no-no. You never wanted to do that because you always thought, hey, maybe they'll vote for me next time. And considering the number of people who voted for Obama in 2012 and switched over to President Trump, it's not a crazy idea, right? Voters can change their minds even from radically different camps. That can happen. But the, the, tr- the anti-Trump forces have decided to throw that to the wind. And you know, they might have made fun of Mike Lindell. I could see a Saturday Night Live sketch making fun of him praying all the time. That, that could be all fair game, in my opinion. But they're trashing the man. They're, 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 they're saying, oh, the, they're, they're trying to make it sound like the fact that he recovered from a drug addiction, which is something we should be congratulating him for. They're trying to smear him with that, as if that's like a bad thing that he got over, you know, that he, he overcame this. This is a new thing in American politics. It's not a new thing in human nature, but it's a new thing in American mainstream politics. 
And I got to tell you, it's very, very dangerous and very, very concerning. I think that's very well said. Uh, Jake Novak, our guest. Jake, really, really great stuff. I appreciate you coming on and sharing the message with us. Uh, because, you know what, uh, there, there is a jealousy factor here in play, and it's something that we really are going to have to overcome if we're ever going to really, quote-unquote, unite, as everybody says we have to do in times of national crisis. Jake Novak, uh, for, uh, CNBC.com, freelance editorial columnist, uh, and now, of course, the host of Novak Now. And uh, tell us where people can hear that. Oh, well, that's on the Nachum Siegel Network. You can take it, actually, but the best way to find it is to just follow me on Twitter, at JakeJakeNY, and also JakeNovakNews.com is my daily morning business briefing, and I'll have the links for all, this, all the programs, but if you... Go to uh, at Jake Jake NY, my Twitter feed. I can put up the archives to all the programs. I'm staring at it right now because I am a follower. Great stuff. Jake, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Bob. You, you got it. 1049 as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Before we take our break, uh, I want to remind you, remember No Safe Spaces when it was in theaters and we were telling you all about it a few months back? Uh, no Safe Spaces, the Dennis Prager and um, Adam Carolla movie that shines a spotlight on how dangerous this country really, really is in terms of how it tries to quash your First Amendment rights. And that's what it is. Uh, if the radical left doesn't like you on social media, if they don't like what you have to say in your place of business or your place of worship, they will do whatever they have to do to shut you down. Free expression and free speech isn't really you know, as protected as you think it is in this country. And that's what No Safe Spaces is all about. And now, the number one political documentary of 2019 is available for you to watch at home at nosafespaces.com. It's um, it's really a great opportunity because it's not in theaters anymore. And even if it was, theaters are all closed now. So it's a great opportunity to watch this as many times as you want at nosafespaces.com. Just to let you know how people thought, what people thought of this, it had a 99% approval rating at rottentomatoes.com the highest rating for any film last year. That just doesn't happen. No Safe Spaces illustrates how we are exceptional, but how our foundational American values are under attack. And also, more importantly, it's not just about sitting there and griping what you and we can do to fight back. So Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla, tremendous, tremendous film. Uh, ben Shapiro's in it, Jordan Peterson, Tim Allen, a whole lot of other conservative icons, all showing you how dangerous it is to speak your mind and share ideas in this country if you are not on the left. They do it in an entertaining way, in a powerful way. So check it out while you can now. It's at nosafespaces.com. You can watch it there as many times as you want. Nosafespaces.com. Back after this. Great conversation with Jake Novak, and uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, there's there's still a lot of a lot of angles to to cover on this again from the scientific side, but I really hope people understand that from a faith perspective and from just a humanist perspective, uh, there is a lot of work that needs to be done. We, there is no reason whatsoever for people to react the way that they do when people are doing whatever they can to help do so. People like Mike Lindell, and by the way, dare I say it? Each of the two things he did are equally important. He prayed for America and for our leadership, and he's making masks to help keep people safe. Both of them are important. I got a message here real quick before I go to the last couple of calls. This is a report from uh, Gateway Pundit, and they're citing the BBC that perhaps we need to turn our attention 
not to China, not to Italy, places where it's a disaster, and saying that's, you know, the America is slow, shortly behind that. We're going to have that. Perhaps we should turn our attention to Sweden. Sweden has lower a lower number of coronavirus cases per million people. And I say that, of course, because, you know, the United States has 330 million people. It's far larger. So it's, uh, you know, it's proportional here. They have a lower number of coronavirus cases per million people in Sweden than the United, or, than the United States does. And Sweden did not shut down their country or destroy their economy. Their country remains open for business, and life has gone on with few new restrictions. The political leaders there are placing responsibility upon the individual. The government is largely leaving decisions over self-isolation and social distancing up to the people. BBC reports that almost half of Stockholm's residents are working remotely, and the traffic is quieter than usual, but it's all by choice. And businesses continue to operate. Here are the, uh, well, I want to give all the numbers that's boring to listen to on the radio. Uh, but the number of cases in Sweden is increasing at a slower rate than the U.S. And that, of course, uh, takes into account that the U.S. has ramped up testing this month. But, uh, but in other words, let's not focus on all of the worst case scenario. We're going to be just like Italy. We're going to be just like China. We're going to be just like Spain, which is expensive. How about we look at some of the models that are working and maybe we start thinking about that? Just a thought. Gary in Berea on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Gary. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. <clears throat> no less than seven uh, articles were released starting on Friday uh, through yesterday uh, talking about the Brits and the French training, uh, specially trained scent detection dogs to detect Kona, uh, Corona-19. And uh, there's a plan that's been uh, developed here. Uh, in the United States, this is a very, very simple process. The dogs already exist. All they need to do is be uh, simply imprinted on the actual odor of the Corona-19. Uh, I didn't know there dogs. was an odor, though. That's, that's interesting. And by the way, I love it because they've been using canines to detect cancer in people for a right. long well, time. Um, and so Marcy, it, they, it exists, certainly. All- <clears throat> Marcy's got all the articles, and I'll let you know who I talked to yesterday. I talked to General Honore. Okay, he said this is crazy good. He's actually now trying to uh, make contacts with people in the Army about uh, how we can get the program started there and uh, and, hmm. and wherever. But I've submitted a plan to the state of Ohio. Uh, they poo-pooed it. Uh, I've been in contact with HH uh, uh, Health and Human Services. Right. I tell you, who has got back with me is Jim Jordan's office, and they're that's, trying to do that's, everything they can to get the thing implemented. Gary, Gary I got to go here because we're going to get cut off by the end of the show. But I'm glad you called me to tell me that. How about that? Forget about all the invasive testing. Let a dog take a sniff and tell you whether or not you're infected. What a wonderful thing that would be. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the call. We're out of time. Mike Gallagher's next. Enjoy your day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.